0: Welcome along to the latest uh, Forever Blue podcast. Thanks very much as ever for subscribing and for for sharing and for listening. Most of anything, and it's all about blues. And I try to vary the uh, the cast that we have with us. And so today um, we have a, a diff, practically a different cast than any other podcast uh, this season uh, we still have the same sponsors by the way CharlesLouis.co.uk. who are chartered mortgage advisors and so much more uh, if you want to get any advice on buying or selling or getting a mortgage or just just anything to do with houses really uh, give them a call uh, their number is on their website charles louis which is the french spelling charles louis dot uh, and just find them they're based in the manchester area uh, so give them a call and, and tell them what your problem is and they'll try and help you best they can great company and i can certainly highly recommend them and now in terms of the cast today um we've gone for paul who's uh, not been with us just recently because he's been gallivanting all over the place so uh, welcome back paul really appreciate you you being back uh, we've got two adams as part of our team um, I'm not going to say one's Adam 1 and Adam's 2, um, but the other Adam, Adam W, may well be on next week, but it's Adam P who's on this week. And we have Harlan, who is, um has been on a couple of times, but uh, he's always welcome back, of course. So first of all, we've got to start with the uh, the performance and victory at Leicester. Uh, I was there in the end, uh, at the away end, the noise was was really, really good. I mean, it was a fantastic away support. I hope I captured that in the vlog that I did. But the singing seemed to be incessant. And the players, obviously, they won City, so they you might argue that they would do. But a lot of the players came over at the end. I think Foden, Grealish, um, Bernardo Silva all threw shirts into the crowd. And there was a great rapport, you know, between the two. And it was nice to see that. Um, and, and one of the things I wanted to ask you three guys as well was, we'll go straight in with sort of quite a big question. I think that was the third time that Pep had picked the same starting eleven, which is just not Pep-like. And I wonder whether that has been one of the secrets behind the successive 5-0 victories and then the 1-0 victory at Leicester, because there seemed to be a real togetherness, you know, a real bond. But that, of course, then leads to... You know, Kevin De Bruyne, Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling, John Stones. You know, are they going to be happy uh, with not being starters? And is this the new Pep or is it going to be a completely different team against Leipzig? So I've got a million subjects to go out there. Um, I don't know who wants to start on that, but um, let's just start by the the performance at Leicester. It was only 1-0, but I still thought it was excellent. Go on, you can kick us off.
1: Yeah, um, brilliant performance, Ian. Um, a performance in which we, we righted the wrongs of the Community Shield, of course, which is something that was on a lot of fans' minds. and Everyone was thinking a bit pessimistically before the Leicester game. Um, I was optimistic that we could get a result because I believe we're good enough and I believe that the 5-0 wins would have given us the, the momentum that we needed to go into the Leicester game. And win, even though the international break for me came at the wrong time. I don't, I don't agree with international breaks coming that early into a season. Um, you know, for sides like us that are, that, that are very good, uh, it doesn't bother us that much, um, as you've clearly seen against Leicester. But for sides that are at the bottom of the league, um, you know that that can sometimes bother them. But going back to us, we 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 what we did is we went to the King Power with with like you say a, a, a group full of confidence. 10 goals behind us in the league and, you know, a real desire to want to give the fans this, you know, this this start to a month that, that helps you, you know, really push on. And to have beaten, okay, a, a very poor by their standards Arsenal 5-0, playing good football. To have beaten Norwich 5-0, but playing good football. And to have beat Leicester 1-0, playing very good football. Um. You know, it just shows you that it's not it's not that you win 5-0, it's not that you win football matches, it's how you win them. And it goes back to what I've said about us, that, you know, United can go and win 4-1, they can go and beat Newcastle 4-1, score four goals, and on paper it looks like they've won 4-1 and everything's dory in the camp. But for me, it's that we have a real process and that we will win more than we will draw and lose because we are meant to win more because we play... Better football, there's a process behind it, and we are a top team. Whereas they will then lose more games because they are an improvisational side. And for me, yesterday, you saw why we're the champions, you saw why we're City, and you saw why we're a Pep Guardiola side. And we are a theoretical, quality, very good football team. And, you know, beating Leicester like that yesterday shows why we are in the top three teams and more than anybody else, the top one team in the league.
0: I must uh, come back to that point you made about international break, because it's a good one and it's worth exploring a little bit. But on the Leicester game, what did you think, Adam? I mean, was that as, I mean, it wasn't 5-0, but I, I was still impressed with that, because Leicester are going to be one of the best teams in the Premier League, aren't they?
2: Yeah, and the kind of football they play that just seems just perfectly designed to hurt us. And there were certainly some breakaways by Leicester where, you know, if they'd have their shooting boots on, they could have still scored a few themselves, but we could have had a hatful. full. Uh, it's, often, it's often the way, though, with City, that, you know, you can create chance after chance after chance. The more we miss them, the more you start to worry that we're going to get mugged. And I was a little bit worried like that until just before we scored. I think as soon as we did score, I was quite confident we'd go on to win the game. But you just sometimes worry it's one of those games where the XG or whatever it is, is, um, you know, not the same as the final score. Well, I think the performance was great. We looked a bit blunt up front, but um you know Torres can't be expected at his age and you know inexperience to just be banging him in every week. We've got to uh, you know we've got to have other players who are going to score and I know we have we've been sharing him around a lot the last few games it is it is something on my mind though that there isn't this striker there. Uh, I do think that could come back and bite us at some point this season. And as for picking the same team three games running I can't help but think with Pep being Pep that there must be some sort of message he's sending there either to the either to the you know the people who buy the players or to the or to certain players who are not getting in the starting eleven. I don't believe suddenly for the first time in five or six years decided to, to play the same 11, three times running for purely football reasons if I'm honest.
0: And mm. as you use that uh, new terminology now you even caught me out then XG. Well this, yeah. new, this new graphic that they put up about expected goals, that isn't it, eh? Yeah. Ah, I love the fact you're into all the all the trendy kid terminology. Not really,
2: not really, but several talks about it, don't
0: they? <laughs> what do you make of it,
3: Paul? Well, I'm glad you cleared up what XG meant, because I just didn't have a clue what that was all about. So um expected goals, yeah. Well, there you go. I had other connotations in my mind. Um he's bang on what he said there, Adam, to be honest. I mean it's it's when Pep does do something, you know he's he, he's done that for a reason. He's he's there'll be something at the back of it. I'm sure. Um, you know, I can't imagine it's just because he's decided now I'm going to change this style. Where if you're playing well, you stay in the team kind of thing. I can't I can't imagine he's going to jump from what he's normally done to that because that's like a light years ahead jump. Um, <clears throat> I thought yesterday was 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 massive because we got that um, Jamie Vardy monkey off our back, didn't we? Um, you know he always scores against us, and you know they are a bogey team, Leicester. Let's have it right; they're a big bogey team. So, you know, we the the team performance was great. Um, as for the, the the players on the bench to come in, I, I said this all along, and again, this is this is not disrespecting um, anybody. Sorry, just get rid of that. Um, this is not disrespecting anybody um, in the team. But Kevin Kevin De Bruyne when when he plays. Bernardo Silva and other players, you know, Riyad Maras when he's in the team. He excels when Bernardo Silva's, Silva's not in the team. Um, There's alarm,
0: alarm bells no, going off
3: here, Paul. The drug ringing. <laughs> so somebody doesn't
0: agree with what you're saying.
3: <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's when, when Kevin De Bruyne is in the team, certain players don't play as well as they normally do. So, I think having Kevin on the bench isn't necessarily a bad thing if you if you understand what I'm saying. Um what 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 a thing to have though a bench like that to come on, you know. We we've started the season with a bang and um, we we're not even got a full, fully fledged, full strength team out yet. You know, it's well, re- one of
0: the reasons why that subject is is really crucial is because we heard the rumors that Bernardo Silva might go in the summer, and one of the reasons given I mean, obviously, they don't come out and say this, but one of the reasons apparently given was that he wanted more game time. Now, he's just had game time and he's in to me he was man of the match at Leicester I mean obviously that's subjective so other people might not agree I thought Edison was was top class as well for example there were a few good performances but I thought Bernardo was really good and does that come from the fact that now he's had a little run in the team does that come from the fact that now uh, he feels a bit more valued because he's getting the, the place on merit so how does that leave Phil Foden, I know he's coming back from injury. Kevin De Bruyne, I know he's coming back from injury. But uh, John Stones, who clearly is fully fit because he's played for England, and Raheem Sterling, who's clearly fully fit, he played for England. Riyad Mahrez, even Alexander Sinchenko, you know, there, are, are any, is there a danger that any of those players, hope not, obviously that they might then become, you know, why am I not getting a game? Or does the fact that we've got back-to-back games every three days in this next sequence solve that problem? But then, just to throw this into the mix, um, is there a danger that against Leipzig in midweek that suddenly thinks right now is the time to bring in these players and suddenly these players who haven't played yet this season in the City team, or there's a different mix of the team, unbalance it all? That, that's, that's, that's my question, really. He wants to take that one on. Go on, Adam.
2: Well, I mean, I think um, we've got so many good players in the squad, and and when they when they you know we talked about them being like a Swiss clock last season, when the team is purring like it, it you know, it, it often is. As soon as somebody comes in who's not played for a couple of weeks, they they look poor in comparison. Um, I remember, you know, let's say a year ago, people were, re- you know, really sort of sticking the knife into Gabriel Jesus. And now, he's, now he looks a-, a nailed on starter in the first 11. And that's because he's having a run of games. And I think you're, you're right to say that the games are going to come thick and fast now and everyone is going to get a chance. But j- apart from that, I think that if you're in the team and you're playing well, you, you know, you keep a shirt. I mean, Laporte had to suck it up last season when Stones and Diaz were playing really well. Now, we're not letting any goals in, so... So Stones has got no right to sort of say he wants to come back in. I'm not saying that he is saying that, but, you know, nobody has a right to say I need to be in the team when the people are out there just won three in a row and not conceded any. So whoever's on the bench, they've they've got to live with it. And that includes De Bruyne. I mean, I love De Bruyne and I would have him in every big game. But, you know, I don't think anybody has a legitimate right to complain. And I was interested on Bernardo Silva as well that um, I'd heard he wanted to go in the summer and that he wanted to go last summer as well as something I'd heard. And then I looked at what was his contract and he only signed it two years ago and he signed a six-year contract. So, you know, given that everyone was saying, you know, that Harry Kane never had a chance to leave because he had three years left on his contract this summer. Well, Bernardo's got four left on his contract. So if he wants to go. It, it, it's in our hands you know and you know he'll be a professional because he's he's that kind of person and he's playing out of his skin so hopefully it was just game time that made him want to leave and, he, and he'll get plenty of game time this season and that'll be resolved but I'd actually heard it was something different that he was just tired of Manchester and that's why he wanted to go and he didn't like the weather and all that sort of stuff so I don't know
0: what do you think, I think Alan oh go on Paul
3: I think I think the Bernardo Silva one's quite a complex thing because he's, he's a don't know the the guy. Never met him, but he, he seems to be like a quite, quite a complex, sensitive young man. Um, you know, he isn't outspoken. You know, he does get his head down. He's he's not. He don't live the party life. He's he's not that kind of player. Um, I think I think with what's come out in the media as well with um, with his you know his good buddy, if you like, um, with what's going on with that. Um, I, I it makes you wonder whether that's had some bearing on it. I I, I don't know. Um, I do believe you know lockdowns not helped him because he'll have been locked up in his apartment or whatever, and because he's not the party animal and stuff. He you know whether people go around to visit him. He might just been lonely. You know, for God's sake, it. You know, if if you're if you're a, a joiner or a builder working away on a building site other side of the country, and you can't get home at weekend to see your family, it's hard work, and he's living miles away in a different culture. So. You know, it's, it, I don't think it was football reasons. I think it was, you know, pretty complex, um, kind of a um, perfect storm, if you like. Um, you know, as I say, what's come out with Mendy and, and stuff? You don't know whether that's had a little bit of a bearing on things.
0: I mean, I, he, obviously, I thought he played exceptionally well at Leicester yesterday. It was a bundle of energy. And uh, I don't know whether Jack Grealish's introduction in that role on the left-hand side has actually helped Bernardo because what Grealish seemed to be doing a lot of the time was holding the ball up and then waiting for the right time to pass it to Bernardo and it was Bernardo that was benefiting from having a player there who wasn't running at the opposition in the way that maybe Sterling does or cutting in and and doing what Riyad Mahrez does but was actually just maintaining possession and then picking the right moment to feel Bernardo uh, you know find Bernardo but he certainly didn't look like a, a lad who was lonely, fed up, or wanted away in that performance at Leicester, did he, Harlan.
3: It's a nice little thing they've got going on that left hand side. Sorry, Harlan. It's, it's a nice oh, little thing man. they've got going there.
1: No, it is, and do you know what? It, it, it's all about partnerships, and 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 um, you know, players players build partnerships, players leave, then that partnership's broken. Then it's up to that player to form a new partnership. Like one of the best I've ever seen at City was. Um it was it was Zabaletta and Nazri. I'll, I'll be honest with you, it was Zabaleta and Nazri. They had a really good partnership up the right hand side for about must have been 15-16 games. Um Michael Richards couldn't get back in the team, but once then under Mancini, because Zabaleta and Nazri just had this telepathic understanding between one another, and it helped the whole team because the whole team knew that if the ball moved over to that right hand side, that something would be worked. And and if you remember, Paul, I know I'm divulging a bit, but back in the day, Zabaleta used to be a, you know, an overlapping fullback whenever he wanted to be. When he had a bit more pace and he had a bit more, uh, you know, energy in terms of getting forward, that used to work. So it's about players highlighting what what makes another player tick. Do you know what I mean? What what helps that player become better at what he does, and how can I facilitate that? And I think that our players understand that. And I am going to link to it, Ian, because. Obviously, as you all know, at the moment, I am watching a lot of bookmanderers, obviously, call commentating on the games. and um, Their manager, Ian Everett, is trying to play a similar brand of football to what City are trying to play. And he often references Pep, and he often references the way our players play. And he's actually starting to get similar output from his players now. There's a lad called Afalayan for them. He's starting to work a partnership on the left with their player, Gordon, their left wing-back. And the same thing goes. And I've spoken to Liam Gordon and he said, look, I don't get to speak to, to our full fullbacks. You don't, you, you don't get access anymore. But just to relate it back to City, you ask the player, you know, why does that happen? How does that happen? How is he scoring now? And Well, because we work and we, we talk all the time and we're always making sure that each other has got an understanding of where I'm going to be, how I'm going to cover, how I'm going to work for him to make sure he has time and space. To create and um, back to City, I mean, that you can see that's working. It's working with Grealish and Bernardo, it works in midfield with, with Ilkay Gundogan and whoever's playing in there with him. You know, u- up top as well, Torres and Jesus are constantly switching now and causing confusion for the defenders of the opposition. So we've got a real flexibility and fluidity to the team. And Bernardo Silva is one of the people that is most responsible for that, Ian. As much as you say, you know, Grealish has come in, like you just said, and added a dynamic where he'll hold the play up and allow players to bomb on and just kind of confuse the opposition into thinking that you're going to have to come and foul me now, but I could play a reverse pass or a cheeky one inside there that will unlock something else. Um, But when Adol's massive, one thing I will say is, and I'm not sure whether Paul's got his fantasy Premier League team, up and running this season I know he's not a massive fantasy football fan and to be honest I'm not now uh, as I've got a bit older and I don't really have time to, to do it that much and I don't really get that stuck into it but there's one player more than anyone in our squad that won't get you any points on Fantasy Premier League week on week and that man that man is Bernardo Silva uh, the reason why is because the way football's gone the way that youngsters are now taught to, to look at football is something that I know Paul will shake his head here is, is through statistics alone. And Fantasy Premier League is geared up to give you points based on assists, goals, and hardly much else, really. Um, And the point I'm trying to make is, without players like Bernardo Silva, your David Silvers, you know, your players like that, you don't win football matches, you don't score your goals, but they get no credit for that. Um, Bernardo Silva is not a fantasy football player. He's an actual football player. And he's a magical one and I'm glad to have him at my club because you know what? Without players like that, you can have all the goals and assists and stats in the world. But without players like that that make you tick, like your Bernardos, like your Davids, you don't have you don't have your football as magical as we have it.
0: I'd throw in Yaya Torre to that as well because um, he was very rarely the assister. And when you look back at his statistics, uh, what do everybody say? They say how many goals he got in that? Amazing season that he had, but they forget the pendulum that he was in midfield. I mean, I've always said on this podcast that I believe, uh, obviously, it's an 11-man game and every play is crucial. But that role that Fernandinho stroke Rodri plays at the moment, which Yaya played, you know, which, you know, in previous generations, it might have been Dietmar Haman or, you know, Nigel de Jong or whatever, you know, different players have played there. I think that's so important. But statistically, you're dead right, Harlan. Nobody gets... They don't get the credit for that because quite often, you know, the, the pass that's made by um, Bernardo Silva, I know he got a goal yesterday, but is the one that leads to De Bruyne a crossing for somebody to then tap it in. So it's like, it's almost forgotten once the ball's in the back of the net, isn't it?
1: It is and it was proven that last season, wasn't it? Sorry Paul it was proven last season because people only really, and I mean, you know no offence to anyone, but people really you know, long term really started to to really support Gundogan when he started to score more goals, when he started to assist more goals directly people started going, where's this Gundogan been? And I'm thinking, but he's always been there doing the same thing He's always been playing the pre-assist that people call it nowadays. He's always been winning the ball back, redirecting it. Um, We mentioned mentioned something the other year about him making sure that he doesn't just whack a ball when it drops to him or doesn't play the risky pass sometimes like Nebrauner would play. He would wait for the opportunity to play a better pass to create a better opportunity for us to probably 80% score from it. And then when he started to score, people are starting to really go, oh, Gundogan, let's create a hype, let's create a... I was always on the Gundogan hype train. I was always on it. I never got off. I was always on Elkai's train and I always will be as well.
0: Adam, let me ask you about Edison because uh, I thought, me personally, I thought that was Edison's best performance in a City shirt yesterday. I mean, first of all, he got the whack in the head, which can't... Maybe that woke him up, I don't know I mean. I'm saying that flippantly, of course. <laughs> but but after that, he made some very brave saves. And My mate, who I was driving back from the game with, um, said that Bert Troutman... I know this is a completely different era, and obviously he's older than me. But Bert Troutman used to dive at the feet of players, and Edison did a bit of that yesterday, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I
2: mean, he's, he's so... I, I can't believe he's not the Brazilian number one, to be honest. I can't think of a weakness in his game. Um, and what I like about him, as well as just his ability, is his, his mentality. I mean, he took that kick in the face, chewing on that, chewing on that tissue when the corner was coming in, and he doesn't let it phase him. And when he um, he nearly dropped that clanger, was it against Arsenal where he nearly dropped that clanger? And he, but he does, he doesn't let it affect him. He just, he just takes every situation as it comes, and it's just a great. A great mentality for a keeper, I think.
0: I
1: think
2: it's
0: a, certainly a new dimension from what I saw. Um, let me now we pick up on what you said before uh, because it's it's relevant this week. How and uh, you know there's been some talk. Pep was asked about it at the press conference. Arsene Wenger is seems to be the instigator of this of the whole of international football being restructured. Now, it was about a, this time last year, I think, when Super League reared its head and. You know, there was a lot of discussion about breaking away. And now we're talking about maybe a restructure of international football. What, Arsene, just to explain this, if you haven't been following it closely, what one of the things that Wenger's saying, the, the headline is that the World Cup would be every two years and the European Championship would be every two years. So basically every summer there would be a, an international tournament. But what he's also suggested is that maybe I mean, next year it's going to happen with the Qatar World Cup. There's going to be a break in November stroke, December for the World Cup. And what he's saying, which leads back to where you were before, Harlan, is instead of having these international breaks, of which we have four during the course of a season, we've had one, there's another one in October, another one in November, and I think it's March. Instead of having those, and we saw what happened with Brazil, with players travelling into red zones and everything like that, that what you do is you set a month apart in the season, you have a break, you have a month, and during that month, all of the qualifiers are all played uh, You know, during that time. And then you have these international tournaments in the summer so that the domestic football can be played more continuously. Is that a good idea, bad idea, Paul? You're chewing on that one. Let, let's see what you're going to say.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's whether it can be synchronised through all the, the, the international uh, uh, bureaucracy, if you like, um, I'm pretty sure, you know, because we only see it from a, a an English British point of view. We don't see it from, you know, other other leagues and when when their seasons are and stuff. I mean, for me, you could you you, you could probably take um, all the international games and play them on FIFA, because um, I've got that much interest in international football. That just do just get get the lads out, get these young FIFA kids out, and uh, have an international tournament and let that let that be gone. I'll let the real people get on with the uh, proper stuff, which is the Premier League. That'd suit me down to the ground. That.
0: Are you suggesting that the qualifiers? I mean, the qualifiers that England are involved in at the moment, you know, they're through, aren't they? You know, I mean, they were through as soon as the, you know, they won the opening game. And when you're playing in a group with, you know, with such weak opposition to qualify, it is just a farce. But I suppose the essence of what we're talking about, especially in this pandemic, is to. And put them all together so that that the, the you know this business of having to isolate when you get back is 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 nullified and you don't lose the momentum because City had I mean I know they kept it up and won at Leicester but they had great momentum going into that international break. The last thing they wanted to do was got two weeks without a game and we have a, an eight day period coming up where City play Chelsea, then they play PSG, then they play Liverpool on three successive away games all in the space of eight days. It's ridiculous, really, isn't it?
3: And it's, it's international football, for God's sake. It's like... Phew, I, I've never been into it, to be honest. I've never never got into it. I'm, I'm all about watching Man City, and I'm not really bothered about any other teams, to be honest. The only time I'm interested is when we play them on the day. Um, I just... I mean, I, I've just been on holiday. I went away on holiday. So the season gets started, and I miss... Two home games, I think it was, because we was on holiday. I then come back off holiday, and it's an international break. Why don't they just have them international break before the season starts, and you can have you they can be your, your pre match friendlies and all the rest of it, can't they? Do that, and then when the when you know when the summers kind of finished, everybody's back off their holidays. Then start the season without any breaks, just go right through. Then I just it's, it's all about money, obviously, isn't it?
0: Thoughts, Adam.
2: Um, Well, I'll just echo it, really. I'm not really interested in international football, to be honest. Only in the last couple of years I've paid a bit more attention to England because it's chock full of City players these days. But other than that, (laughs) it's for the birds, really.
0: (laughs) So, no. would you be in favour, though, of two World Cups rather than one every four years? Things like that?
2: No, no, no,
0: no. (laughs) I mean, Pep actually seemed reasonably supportive of it and his argument was, as I understood it, that if you don't play those tournaments, he's not saying particularly that he was a massive fan of it, but if you don't play those tournaments, then all that will happen is the void. We know what clubs do. they, They invent matches. They invent tournaments just to, you know, gain some more followers or to make some more money or, spread the brand or whatever the excuse is but they will just invent them I mean this international tournament they have in America or were having in America was basically a tournament that was invented to to fill that void wasn't it? So wouldn't it be better to have a World Cup or a European Championship rather than these tournaments which nobody really takes that seriously do they?
2: well no i guess it's, if it's if it's, a, if it's one of these meaningless tournaments i guess it's more just that's just more pre-season or fitness or squad rotation or whatever isn't it it's you know there's an intensity to an international tournament you, you know if, if you're going to have that every 2 years you're going to have the euros if even if that stays every 4 years then you've got three international tournaments every out of every 4 summers you know when people are just not going to have long careers at that rate surely but like i say i'm not really I like the idea of the World Cup being every four years because, you know, it's a huge thing. And it's, you know, certainly in my childhood, I remember each one so vividly. If they're going to be every two years, it just diminishes it in my eyes.
0: Harlan, the football man. More football for you. You'd love it, wouldn't you?
1: This is going to sound that simple. Um, You qualify for the European Championships. You qualify for the Cop America. That means that obviously Argentina, Brazil are always going to be qualifying for the Copa America. Um, We qualify for the European Championships. If you get out of your group stage and you get into the round of 16 of the European Championships, i.e. you get into the knockout stages, you automatically qualify for the World Cup because you've qualified for the European Championships and then you've actually got into the round of 16 in the European Championships, and then you are qualified for the World Cup. Because why would you go into a Euros, play Euros all the way through, and then have to start or regain European qualifying games to get into a World Cup? Europe is part of the world. So surely one tournament could be sacrificed in terms of qualifying, and one could help the other. And that would shorten it down by 10 matches
0: but you know as well as i know that it's not about um, common sense or having a you know a well, logical it's argument not which it's you're it's having it's about money isn't it
1: isn't, football isn't common sense to call anymore is it i mean daft things happen. um but that would seem that to me seems like much more of a an easier way of transitioning something in air changing than doing that every every two years because that for me just that's that's daft it's daft um in terms of international breaks, I just think that it, it, it hinders teams and you could argue, well, it depends on where you are in the league. If you're 15 points clear and you only have a week's break or a week and a half's break, it might not affect you that much momentum-wise because you're already clear. If you're someone like Norwich or a Watford or someone that in years gone by have been struggling, you lose two or three players or even more now, eight or nine players to Kosovo, England, France, uh, you know, the United States and whoever else, that can, one, cause injuries, two, uh, give your players a different style of football for a week and a half, which then detracts them from what you're trying to achieve as a club manager in a club. And then when they come back, they're not focused on what you're trying to do. So I get it for other clubs. But more specific to City, I just think that managers managers wouldn't accept it. Southgate wouldn't accept that new proposal, I don't think. Or now with the FA, because... The reason why they have as many breaks as they do, I think, is because they want to be able to give players a chance to work their way into a team, or they want to be able to kind of look at players at different times during a season. So to do it all in one massive goal would mean that you just have a nucleus of a squad, and it really doesn't give that much wriggle room for players at club level to work themselves into a team. Um, But other than that, I mean, it is what it is. The powers that be will decide what happens, and... And as, as um, you know as you mentioned last week we are now a, uh, a consumer so we don't really have much of a say on it do we and we know that now because we are an elite club and and we have no say on anything really going forward now do we Well, we'll talk about one now. thing I
2: wanted to just chime in there with Ian if I can is this idea of block booking a month. One idea that I've always liked was this idea that um, the FA Cup could would be just shoehorned into January. And then you get all these teams that just play weak sides from the word go that should be having a tilt at the cup. And there was this suggestion that if you played everything except the final in January, then teams that you know had an injury crisis or needed a winter break or whatever might not throw it, throw it all at the cup. But a lot of these mid-table Premier League sides, you know, could just go for it, um, and you might put a bit of value back into the cup.
3: I think mm-hmm. some rugby league kind of do, is it? They call it the Super Weekend or something. Or I've got the name wrong. Magic week weekend, weekend. Yeah. again. Magic weekend. Magic yeah. weekend. That's it, yeah. Um. Why don't we maybe incorporate something like that? Because, uh, you know, something like that would be be ideal. Probably, probably the main reason is because you couldn't have that many um groups of fans mixing and mingling because football football fans are tribal and they just won't be able to behave themselves and they'd be fighting. Whereas rugby fans, the are uh, more respectful and. You know they go to matches and you can mix and mingle and have proper banter. Um, maybe I've just answered my own question there. I don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll come back to another consumer issue before we finish today. But one thing I wanted to ask you about was. Um, I, I watched a Match of the Day last night. For anybody who's listening outside of the UK, that's a highlights programme that we have on a Saturday night. And I watched a bit of uh, United, a bit of, a bit of uh, Chelsea, and obviously United, uh, Liverpool are playing this, this weekend elsewhere. But I looked at Lukaku's impact at Chelsea, I looked at Ronaldo's impact at United. And whilst we're City fans who, and, and I know both Adam and Paul have, have emphasised that to a certain extent, it's just about City, but they are our title rivals. Do you look at what United have done with bringing Ronaldo and who scored two and Lukaku ironically scored two and think, um, I know Tottenham lost 3-0 at Crystal Palace with Kane in the side, but do you think, do you think City are missing something? Because even when I did the vlog at Leicester, one guy made a point. Even in victory, even in a in a in a euphoric mo- uh, mood, I mean, just beating Leicester, still said we need a striker. Yet we've scored 11 goals in the last three games. Are City going to miss out on on anything this season because of a striker? Or the converse side of this, which I quite like, is this. Which again, I think Harlan's mentioned. The threat comes from everywhere. You mean even Jesus and 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 and. Torres, you know, switch sides, and you just don't know where the threat's coming from. Which is, which one's ultimately the better model? Do you fear, I suppose, if I really boil it down, but you can expand on it if you want. You know, do you fear Chelsea and United more now that they've got these out-and-out quality strikers?
3: Um, The answer is no. I mean, I've not watched match of the day. Um, I can't be bothered watching that anymore. Um, I've just seen on social media, and for what I can gather, um, the, the 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 Ronaldo kind of loving um, was more of a two tappings, really, and their goalkeeper was a nightmare. So yeah, he is a player. He's going to score goals, but he's a United player. He is a typical United player. He fits in perfectly. He's selfless. It's all about him. It's all about selling shirts and how much money he can make. So let him crack on. Um, So, no, United, yeah, they'll score more goals, but it just means that uh, Fernandez or whatever he's called, or Fernandes, I don't even know his name, the little little Portugal guy, he won't score as many penalties. So, I'm not really bothered about United. Uh, Chelsea, yeah, we should have signed Lukaku for my feelings. I've said it a load of times. um, Having said that, he was too expensive in the end. So, yeah, we should have got him. Um, I'm not bothered. To be honest, I, you know we're scoring goals. We we we're bamboozling teams. You don't know where the goals are coming from. Harry Kane, I think we dodged a bullet. Um, you know he's done. That's it. He's going to retire uh, out to pastures uh, when he retires from uh, Tottenham with no, you know, no no trophies, nothing to nothing to shout about. Um, no, we Pep's reinvented football already in the Premier League. Watch every team now. They're all trying to play it out from the back. They're all trying to emulate what City do. Even the England managers try to do it. Um, it shows you how good we are because we do it well and everyone's trying to copy us. And you know, We make it look so easy, but other teams prove it's not that easy. Um, why do we need a striker? Because everyone in football, since the day one, the position is on the field as a striker, as a man up front, goal scorer. Um, who, who says, why not break the mould? Who says Pep's reinventing the football game? Why do we need a striker? Only because people say you need a striker. And when you you buy your teams on fantasy football, there's a position to pick from strikers. We don't need a striker. We can score a goal. You don't matter position you're in, does it?
2: Adam. Well, as far as Kane goes, he wouldn't have been my choice of signing, but I did want us to sign him because, I, as I said at the thing at the end of the last season after the Champions League game, I, I was expecting Pep to change things this season in some way. And whatever Pep wants, Pep can have, as far as I'm concerned. And I'll you know, if we'd have signed Kane, I would love to have seen what Pep would have done with it. Uh, he took us to three games away from winning a quadruple last season with no striker. So the man's a genius. Um, if he can, if he can go as do as well again or even better this season again with no striker i mean that would just be mind blowing i do think there's a possibility that it will come back to bite us at some point even though like we've all said the goals have been shared around brilliantly at the moment the one thing i'd like to crowbar in though is gabriel jesus i'd like to speak in favour of him people always say that he's you know because he's not aguero people seem to write him off and i was looking at his stats um he's played 10 more times for City than Edin Dzeko played for City and he scored nine goals more than Edin Dzeko scored. And yes, people seem to think of Dzeko as this person who guaranteed your goals and, and Jesus doesn't score, but those stats say that's not the case. And there's also the fact that he's played, you know, most of his games that he's played, he's played from wide and, and from off the bench. So his numbers are, are absolutely goal-scoring numbers as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I'm just delighted to see him getting a, getting a run of starts at the moment. And he could come on in the second half of the season and and surprise a few people.
0: You can't really argue with that. Would you have liked to have seen... Well, let me go back to the original question for you, Harlan. Do you see United and Chelsea as major threats now because of their investment in... Ronaldo, who's undoubtedly, whether we like him or not, as City fans, his track record as a goal scorer is phenomenal. And Lukaku now seems to be at the peak of his career and adds a completely new dimension to a team that, that beat us in the Champions League final and the FA Cup semi-final last year. So they seem to have improved. Do you worry about them too in the, in the competitions that we could face them in this season?
1: Well, even when we lose
0: games, nine
1: times out of ten, we've played... Excellently, just not managed to hit a band or in, in that one game, and we've been hit with a sucker punch like we did against Spurs. So that's the first thing, which brings me on to the next point of um, you know, we are we are a theoretical brilliant side under Pep Guardiola, win, lose, or draw, we'll always put it all out on the pitch. Um with them, Chelsea yesterday won 3 0 against Aston Villa side that did quite well last year that have lost Grealish but have strengthened in three areas uh but played very poorly um and they won a game 3-0 and played poorly we won games in the past where we've played well below par by our own you know by our own standards like Paul highlighted by our own top notch standards but Lukaku was in that team scored two goals Chelsea didn't really play as well as they have done and I think that sometimes comes because you've got a striker, because you've got that that focal point, that focus, that, that one-dimensional forward approach that sometimes you will bypass them other opportunities that we have the luxury of seeing because you are going into the feet of a striker or you're trying to whip crosses into a striker and you're allowing other creative opportunities to pass you by. We don't have that problem at the moment. That's why we're so fluid. That's why we score so many unbelievable attacking goals and I think you just look at the goal we scored against Arsenal uh, or, or the two goals that we scored against Arsenal, one the Torres, two the Jesus and you look at the positioning of both players, Jesus is on the right, he's involved in Torres' goal, uh, then they flip and Torres picks the ball up on the right and Jesus somehow ends up in the middle of the park, uh, sorry, the middle of the six-yard box and he taps one on and the fluidity against Arsenal was phenomenal um, You know, because of that, that lack of a striker, even though we had one on the right wing. Um, United, you know, they brought Ronaldo in. I'll be lying if I said to get a bit excited about him maybe coming in because I thought, you know what? It'll be good to have a lethal, lethal player in the box that will probably score us an extra 10, 15 goals a season um, and maybe get us over the line in a competition. The more I thought about it, um, again, like Paul said, um, A bit like Argentina with Messi as well. The reason why Argentina haven't been successful over the years is because they relied too much on Messi. I watched Argentina play in in a game at the Etihad, actually, against Italy, and uh, Messi didn't play in it. Lanzini played from West Ham. And Argentina were phenomenal that night. And the reason why is because every other player had to come out of their skin and come out of their shell. And say, I you agree know, with
2: what? that. I Can I took in one start here, Harlan? i heard that when uh, he left Juventus, I think he scored 100 goals for Juventus in three seasons, but the total number of goals that Juventus scored in those three seasons was an average of 20 goals fewer than the five seasons before Ronaldo joined him. So he got bags of goals, but everybody else stopped scoring.
1: Well, that's it, Adam, and that's the point I'm trying to make. You know, the fact is that, that you know, he, he will score you goals, but he will also detract... And, and and take away from every other player on the pitch. Um, yesterday, there was times where I'm watching the highlights on Match of the Day, that's all I saw, but he'd he dribble. Uh, he'd do a step over and take himself down a dark alleyway and then find it hard to work the ball back in. Whereas, if that was us, we'd play that extra pass, it'd unlock something else. And, yeah, he tapped two goals at the back post, but United yesterday against a very, 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 very poor Newcastle with a very poor goalkeeper... That allowed two very poor goals to bypass him from Ronaldo. Um, should have been beaten by seven or eight. Um, they weren't beaten by seven or eight because, for me, Ronaldo was on the pitch. Tell me I'm tell me I'm wrong. Um, he would have stopped us playing the beautiful brand of football we play, as far as I'm concerned. And I think I'll be honest with you: a striker, an out-and-out striker, probably would, unless it was the one and only Erling Haaland, that is very combative, very agile, very good knows what he wants, knows what other players want and will give other players time and space. But if you're an old-fashioned striker, which I don't think we need, you would limit us to what we do and you would take something away from this City
0: team. I'll take it from that answers then that all three of you have seemed re- reasonably calm then about what United and uh, Chelsea have done, Paul.
3: Can I, can I just sort of say on the, the striker thing, I think I think to, to put it in a nutshell, <clears throat> I would love and we've, we've already got a pre, pre-empted person for this, it'd be very nice in the old-fashioned terms, as Mike Bassett would say, get stripped off, lad, and bring the big lad up front and knock us a goal in. It'd be great. It's sort of like with 20 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to go maybe, that you know we can't break through. We, we've tried everything. And to unlock the team, all you need to do is basically change your formation a bit, stick a big lad up top, and getting him, get him to knock some headers in, which Ronaldo, that's all he does now. That's all he does. He sits in the middle, hangs around the box and, you know, leaps like a big ballerina to get the ball in the back of the net. So we've got that. We've got that in the lap. You know, you don't have to go out and buy loads of expensive strikers because they're only going to be playing possibly in a plan B. So he can sit on the bench, he can do all that stuff, he can play in the Cups, but when we need a plan B to unlock the teams in a Champions League final when literally you've got to get yourself a goal, we've tried everything else, what better than that? We don't need to go out and buy an expensive striker. We've got them at the club already and they'll do that role to to come on for 10, 15 minutes and he'd be happy to be in that role as well.
0: Right, another subject now. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, Obviously Adam will know more about this than anybody because of his previous role on City Matters and we've had Mark Todd as a new addition now to our squad and he's a very welcome addition. He's obviously involved in City Matters right now. Tickets remain a a big talking point. We have a WhatsApp group within the uh, Forever Blue team and... uh, I saw Paul and and um, Andy, another member of the squad, talking about very briefly, albeit, but you can expand on it now if you want, Paul, about the the you know the ticketing now specifically about the cup scheme. So to, for those who don't necessarily attend matches, because lots of people listen to the podcast all around the world, for which I'm very grateful, but for those who do attend matches, they'll understand this. But those who don't, if you sign up for the Champions League scheme, for example, you sign up for it in. I guess in July or something like that, August. And then we don't even know the fixture dates. And then then you commit to all three of the home Champions League games. I mean, in theory, all the way through to the end of the tournament. Uh, But the restriction this season is that if you can't make a game, uh, unlike in the league where you can pass it on to family and friends, uh, you know, you've committed, you get the money taken from your account. But if you can't make it, I think there's a Jewish holiday on Wednesday, for example, when City play Leipzig, which may affect some attendance, you can't pass the ticket on to anybody else. You feel pretty strongly about that, I know, Paul. So, you know, you tell me what you think about that. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's, it's, I run a business um, and midweek games are notoriously diff- difficult for myself to get to. So... You know, I sub I subscribe, you know, we got to the way matches together and everything in in Europe. And you know, I subscribe to the to all the cup competitions because I want to go to them. But there are some times where I just can't make that game and it's last minute. You know, it literally could be last minute. I could have a, a job that does pair shape, so I can't make the game. Whereas before my season ticket, would be at home. And because it's Champions League game, I can ring someone up and go, listen, I can't make it. The tickets at home, someone would pick it up and use it. So my paid-for ticket is going to somebody free who would not normally perhaps maybe go to it or couldn't get to it. So my seat got somebody sat on it. Now, I know it's kind of got a bit complicated with these electronic tickets about transferring stuff, but you can't even do that with your Champions League ticket. So we're setting ourselves up to have empty stadiums here. You know, there's a lot of people midweek who they struggle but there's a lot of people who want to go. So we signed up to the cup scheme, so in effect, sort of like they've got our money, and then we might not be able to go to it and can't pass it on to somebody who could get an opportunity. You know, that could be a future fan who's never been to a game before who thinks, my God, this is fantastic, this, and sign up and join in and be a fan for the next 40 years. You know, it's... it's, City get things so right on the pitch, but... For me at the moment, the 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 off, the off the field, the electronics, shall we say, side of it, the IT side of it, is a shambles. I don't know who's running the match day experience. Well, I know Danny Wilson, it'd be interesting to get a word from him and maybe he'd like to come on and explain it all, which would be nice. Um, you know, I don't like talking about people when they're not here to defend themselves. But I got a text message as well this week to say that my ticket I've bought for Leipzig on Wednesday, hasn't been paid for because I've not updated my credit card things. Now, my season ticket's been taken out, so it's obviously updated. So because of a glitch in the system, it's not updated the payments to all the cup schemes. Now, how many people have not checked? How many people are going to turn up on, on, on Wednesday and can't get in because the payment's not gone through? You know, it's just a shambles. People are going to turn away and just go, you know what? I can't be bothered pressing all these little buttons on my uh, my, my phone. I can't even see them. I'm just going to not bother going to this this Wednesday's game. Pay for it and not bother turning up. And not letting anybody sit in your seat. What you've perfectly
0: illustrated, apart from anything else, what you're perfectly illustrating, Paul, is the amount of stress. I mean, I bought tickets for various big events in the last few weeks. And as soon as you click on buy... You know, It's there on your phone and or a paper ticket or something like that. No stress yet. All I hear all the time constantly from supporters is how stressed and how worried they are about everything. I mean, as we're recording this on a Sunday, the game against Leipzig is three days away. Yeah, as far as I know, nobody's actually got the ticket on their phone or are able to print it at home yet. Even, and, and so the club might say, well, don't worry, it will appear there. But do they not understand the level of anxiety? Yeah. And, and those who are fans who don't live within easy drive of the Etihad can't go down and sort it out, or might not be in a position to get the two or three hours before kickoff. So this is all going to just add to the stress. It might all work out in the end, but why are we getting so stressed about something? If this, if you were, if you're having all this stress from buying something from Sainsbury's, you just go, you know what? I'm going to go to ASDA from now on. You know, sod But with the football, with... you don't do that. You stick with your team no matter what they put you through, don't they?
3: The problem is they've got a captive audience. There's no other business model like it. You know, it's not like you can say there is, oh, you know, I'm a massive fan of shopping at Tesco's. So I go to Tesco's every Sunday. When I get to Tesco's, all of a sudden, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to jump through a hoop. You have you know, oh, we can't take Barclay cards anymore. You can only use Visa. All oh, right, OK, then I'll go and shop at Asda. I'll go and shop somewhere else. You can't do that at football because it's in your blood and you love it. And the clubs, not just City, all clubs know that. You know, all clubs know that we can't walk away. And if we do walk away, it's got to be massive. They can put us through. They can put us through the mill. They can the stress you get, we've been through just to get to Portugal in the Champions League final, what should have been an amazingly happy experience and everyone buzzing. People were bricking it before they went to the, you know, before they went, whether they were going to get into the game or not, never mind getting to the country. You know, we had to go through so many hurdles to get there. And it's as though, you know, I liken it to the government at the moment. They're just kind of throwing obstacles in your way just to see how far they can push us, I think.
0: Adam, I know you're not involved in City Matters anymore, but well, actually I could just say, are you glad you're not involved in City Matters anymore with all this that's going on?
2: (laughs) Yes, I am. I mean... It's it's always been startling to me uh, when when I was involved in these sort of conversations that the, the no-can-do attitude you you know you'd, you'd say well why can't we do this why can't we do that oh it's too big it's too complicated and I was always astonished because I'm thinking it's you know it's fifty thousand seats it's a it's a it's a tiny number of, of amount of data you know we were talking about Tesco's and ASDA there imagine if you got your to your Tesco till with your, your club card or whatever and you, your, t- your your Tesco points didn't work. Well, they have millions of customers, tens of millions of customers, and they have an IT system in place that can work. So I just don't understand why when you're talking about a stadium with 50,000 people, you could manage that on a spreadsheet. Um, so I find it's just laughable, the, you know, the, the, the IT shambles that, that, that comes out. And. Um, as for this scheme itself, I mean, I would say the one thing the club would probably say is nobody's forcing you to join that scheme. I guess they are forcing people in some way because, uh, you know, people are worried about missing out on bonus points if, for not joining the scheme. Um, and and I, would, I would like to widen that to a wider conversation around ticket points and about everything. I don't understand why these schemes still exist. We talked at least three years ago in City Matters about... Having a fluid number of of points per game. So, for example, if we, you know, imagine we'd drawn Shakhtar again this season, who would want to go to that game? But there's nothing that could stop them just saying, well, it's 100 points for this. You don't have to have a scheme where people are signing up blindly before they even know the dates and the opponents of games. You can just say, if you come to this low demand game, we'll reward you with some more points. You know, that's a a much more intelligent way to to manage the incentivizing of people to, to commit, I think.
0: The points thing is is relevant, of course it is, but even more basic than that is the fact that um, you're signing up for the Champions League scheme, you're signing up for three games, and you may not be able to go to one of them or two of them, like Paul has said, for uh, family reasons, for dramatic reasons, for just just anything that, that could... But now, the fundamental basic human right... You know, of passing your ticket on to somebody else has been taken away from you, so you have paid for a ticket that you cannot use. Now, how can that be right? I mean, if I, well, I, I bought say, a ticket for, I would on. say
2: don't join the scheme then and just buy your ticket for the games you can attend. But also, I do, I do take the point because because Danny Wilson repeatedly said that the stated aim was to ensure that all seats are filled for home games, and this totally does go against
0: that. I totally agree. Have you got a view on this, Alan? It's, it's, it's like,
1: so, you know, you, you don't want to miss out on the group games. Now, the club did something really good, uh, not last season in the Champions League. God, we've had COVID since the year before, uh, 1920. We did a package for adults and children where you could buy all three matches for a set price. Um, that was really good. Because uh, what that allowed you to do is then, one, once you knew the games, you were able to go, right, it's Leon, it was Leon Shakhtar, and, uh, well, it's not like me to forget, is it? Leon Shakhtar, and we played the third game. Was It, it wasn't half a of nine, not the season before. Anyway, regardless of the game, um, you got all three matches. Um, and I thought it was a really nice thing, because it was like, right, I've got all three games sorted. There we go. Um the, the, the one thing with, with the club is that we're not doing stuff that good, one thing after the other. We'll do something good and something bad, we we'll won't do it. And everything that you've done good, fans will go, Well, that didn't last long, did it? Because now that's happened. Uh, there's an inconsistency with the way that we are dealt with as fans now, um, in terms of you feel like you're being pleased and, 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 and the, the, pacified. We're being pacified. You know, there'll be a little carrot dangle. If you take the carrot, you know everyone's happy. They think, "Oh, that carrot, will, that carrot will make me see better." Uh, and then, uh,
3: and then, and then something gets gets done bad again. Um, sorry, whoa, sorry, whoa. just to, just, to, just to interrupt on that point. I think you're right there. I think he's because what tends to happen is you you, you go on social media and you can see it on social media what soon as Soon as I'll use myself an example, as soon as I get on Twitter and have a moan about this or a moan about not being able to go to the Everton game because I've not been selected in the ballot and blah, 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 someone will go on and go, for God's sake, look at the fantastic football we're playing. Yeah. So this seems, these happy clappers out there that are quite happy to be treated like, you know, rubbish, for want of a better word. But because we're going to watch a great product on the pitch, that's all right. Well, that's not the case. You know, that's that's not the case. It shouldn't be like that. You know, you should. It should be from. I've just booked a ticket. I've I've not been to a, a concert or a show or anything for two years. I've just booked a ticket to go to the Middleton Arena to watch Clinton Baptiste. Can't wait! So excited about it. I went online. I went on this little thing there was a picture of where, where the seating plan, you clicked on the two tickets, it's like booking a, a seat on a plane, you clicked on them, you went through, you put your credit card details in, I got an email 30 seconds later, print me two tickets off, there you go. I've now spent the rest of this week excited because I'm going to go to this. I know when I get there, there's not going to be any messing about, I'm just going to go straight in. I know it's probably only maybe five 600 people there, I don't know, but in relative terms, it's simple. It's basic, basic in- infrastructure and buying on the, you know, buying on the internet. Everybody does it now. And we get things so, so wrong, time and time again. Just but chime we're, in we're, again. We're fobbed off because we're, we're watching good football.
2: If we just chime in one other point there about about you saying short term and midweek games and so all this kind of thing, we used had conversations again going back at least three years where the club said that they were going to implement season tickets of different, different flavors of season tickets. So you might say, if you lived far away, for example, you might say, well, I can make weekend games, but I can't make midweek games and that you'd be able to buy exactly what you wanted before the season. So you'd say, I can't make, you know, I can't make Wednesday nights, you know, and you'd be able to buy mix and mix and match. You could buy something for a season ticket that would cover you for all weekend league games and all weekend cup games. And you could absolutely tailor it to your needs. Well, They've just had two years of, of no crowds going to the game. What have they been doing in those two years? We also got told about three years ago that any minute now we would see this app come in where you literally could just go through on your phone, on your screen, and go tick, cross, tick, cross, tick, cross. These are the games I want to attend. These are the games I can't attend. Your ticket will automatically be taken back. You get your money back. It would all be done in this effortless app. Again, three years later, where is this
3: app? It's making I think all the money's gone into tracking trace apps. I think it's the same company, it's took 37 billion. They've developed that app. They've done both apps, I think. So it might be here in the next two years there, Adam.
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a really good point, Adam. So so you get your forget the Champions League for a second, because obviously the draw's not done yet. And the cup obviously is is as and when. But if they actually provide you with a list of 19 games at the start of the season, um and you went on like you cut like when you go on now to your account. You can see all the games listed now, and it says ticket, 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 ticket. And then you just get your e-ticket off if you want an e-ticket, or you just on your phone now, like normal. They should, like Adam said, be, a, and I'm sure you've put this to them, Adam, a little box that says um, activate, uh, deactivate, activate, deactivate, or something like that. So that you could literally do that at the start of the season before your first installment's taken. And then what the club could do then is they could divide your season ticket amount. Buy the amount of, or or shall I say, look at your season ticket by 19, and that works out for me at about 20 quid. And then, if I'm only going to 14 games out of the 19, charge me 14 times 20 at the start of the season or in a direct debit format and just make it kind of nicer. And I don't, and like you say, I mean, it sounds complicated, but so was the hurricane transfer deal. That was complicated. Um, You know this clause and that clause and this clause, and we'll pay five. five, five, You get a five percent sell-on, and this, that, and the other. You can't sort a, you know, a a sixty-year-old stick it out with that struggles with a phone, or you can't sort a seventy-year-old stick out that struggles with their phone. or You can't sort my season card out, or but you can sort out the biggest clauses and the biggest contracts for the biggest players around the world, and. It's it's unbelievable and just in answer to your question Adam, what we've been doing for the last two years, we've been growing commercially, that's what we've been doing, it doesn't matter about what happens in Manchester, it's about growing commercially now and making sure that the club becomes this global brand, not making sure that fans in Manchester are satisfied with the service that Manchester City Football Club are providing going forward.
0: And I'm going to bring the the podcast to a close there because that's a really strong ending and uh, you've been great guests, the three of you. Thanks very much for contributing to this podcast, to Paul, to Adam and to Harlan. And obviously, if you're listening to this and you've got a view, uh, please feel free to contact us. I mean, if if you contact me on on Twitter, for example, my direct messages are open. So, you know, if you've got a view, if you agree with something that's been said, you completely disagree with it. Love to hear from you. Um, And, you know, maybe you can come on a future podcast. There's all sorts of options open. Uh, But we record the podcast every Sunday. Um, So there'll be another one recorded uh, after the next game. Well, there's two, obviously, before then. There's the uh, game against Leipzig in midweek. And then there's the game against Southampton next weekend at home. Um, so thanks very much for listening. Uh, thanks very much to CharlesLouis.co.uk for being the sponsors of this podcast, which I'm very much uh, appreciated. Remember, contact them if, you, if you've got any needs regarding buying or selling or mortgages or anything like that. But most of all, thank you for listening. And after winning at Leicester, um, albeit two weeks after two nil wins, um, and the overall mood, I think apart from the little bit of disgruntlement and frustration about things off the field from time to time is very very positive at the moment so um it, even though there's a few things that we're not happy with overall isn't it great to be a blue